0: Well, good morning. Happy New Year, 2020. I wonder if that will describe our spiritual vision this year, that we might see Christ more clearly. Kind of like that, actually, 2020. But today is a special day on the Christian calendar. You may not know it, but it is. Actually, it's tomorrow. But today, we are celebrating the Feast of Epiphany, Uh, It's a very popular holiday, actually, in other places in the world. The word epiphany comes from a Greek word, which which, means, well, the Greek word is epiphania. You'll remember that, right? Epiphania. Which means to show or to reveal, to make known, to make manifest. So that epiphany commemorates the manifestation of God's glory in the Christ child of Bethlehem. And we remember the visit of the Magi to the manger. Epiphany is often called Three Kings Day or the Twelfth Day. So although we are celebrating Epiphany today, it actually is tomorrow, it's always January 6th, it's always 12 days after Christmas, officially marking the end of the Christmas season, so even if you have taken down your tree and you've gotten rid of all the decorations, it's still Christmas. Christmas. So we can still say to one another, Merry Christmas. Our scripture readings this morning are usually read uh, on this particular day, the day of Epiphany. And so listen now to God's word as we read from Isaiah and the Gospel of Matthew. First from Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes, and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land, your camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. All Cater's flocks will be gathered to you, the rams of Nebaioth will serve you, they will be accepted as offerings on my altar, and I will adorn my glorious temple. And then these familiar words from the Gospel of Matthew, the second chapter. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when he called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, who were these magi who seem to play such a key role in the Christmas story? Actually, they're pretty mysterious figures. Uh, they're certainly not named, at least they're not named in Scripture, although tradition says that they were, were named Gaspar and Milchior and Balthazar. And they were not necessarily, there were not necessarily three of them, uh, though it was assumed that there were three because of the three gifts that were given to the Christ child. They appear to have been wealthy, uh, given the nature of the precious gifts that they gave to the Christ child, and they were important enough to have been received in the courts of King Herod. The wise men were probably not kings themselves, but members of of a priestly caste In Persia who practiced astrology and of course it was an unusually bright star in the sky that first drew their interest. But one of the most important facts about these wise men is often overlooked. These men were not Jews. They were not members of the chosen people of Israel. They were pagans in fact, Gentiles, outsiders, foreigners, which is to say the light of God's radiance shines on, on, on display in baby Jesus in Bethlehem and then now shines upon God's people, that light is for everyone. It shines upon all people, Jews and Gentiles alike. Jesus is the light of the whole world, not just for a select few or for a few who are disposed to believe this kind of thing. As the angel said to the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. The good news is that Jesus is the unique and only Savior of the whole world and would draw people of every race, of every nation, of every social class to himself. And all of this, as you probably notice, is an answer to prophecy. Again, these words, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Nations and kings will come to the light, and they shall offer their gifts and praise to God's Son. So the visit of the Magi are representative of all those nations and all those powers. And one day, as the Apostle Paul notes in his letter to the Philippians, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now since these travelers were wise people we have something to learn from them and I think we can learn certainly from their seeking because when they saw the star shining in the heavens they didn't send someone else to go check it out but they like the shepherds had to see what was happening for themselves. It wasn't enough for them to simply wonder about the star. But they sought to understand its meaning for their lives, and so they embarked upon a long, perilous journey, and at the end of the road, they found Christ. Wise men and women, of course, still seek him, and you and I can become wise people when we look beyond the lights and the tinsel and the stars and the angels and search for the real meaning of Christmas. Because you see, having enjoyed, you know, the soft candlelight of the Christmas season and the, the wonderful music and the beautiful story, we too are called upon to embark upon a spiritual journey, seeking Christmas truth for our own lives. Christmas should send us out scurrying to discover all the meaning and the truth we can find in Christ. We should all be eagerly searching the Scripture learning all we can about Him and about His will for our lives, and then to seek to put all that into practice. Wise men and women keep on seeking, and Scripture promises that we will find Him. When you search for me, you will find me, says the Lord, if you seek me with all your heart. Ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So that the one condition to our finding is that we should seek persistently with all our heart, not half-heartedly or sporadically or apathetically once in a while. Wise men and women still seek him with all their heart and soul and mind and strength. But we can learn from the wise men not only from their seeking, but from their giving. And it's interesting uh, uh, to note uh, these particular gifts that were brought to the Christ child because those gifts shed light on the person of Christ and his work. They point us to Christ They first of all brought him gold. Gold, a gift for a king. Jesus was born to be king, not over a geographical or political area, entity, but Jesus came to rule over people's hearts and to rule not from a throne, but from a cradle and then from a cross. And he rules not by force. But by love. The gift of gold points to the fact that the child in the manger is to be king over our lives, whom we owe our allegiance and our devotion. It's not enough to give God a sentimental acknowledgement at Christmas time, but he's to be in a position of authority over our lives year round, day by day. The government shall be upon his shoulders, says the prophet, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. And so the question is, do you and I recognize his authority over our lives, his claim upon us? A group of small children were asked one day in Sunday school, what do we mean when we say, Jesus is Lord? And one of the little boys replied, It means he's the big boss. He's the big boss. He's certainly my big boss. I know that. And he should be yours as well. Not in theory, but in practice. He should have the most important claim upon our lives. He should be the top priority above everything else. And we shouldn't let a day go by without wanting to love him and to serve him and to enjoy him forever. Gold is a gift fit for a king. And they brought the Christ child the gift of frankincense, a gift for a priest. Frankincense is a sweet perfume or incense used by priests in the temple worship and in sacrifice. The role of the priest was to act as a mediator between God and the people. In fact, the very word priest, I guess it comes from the Latin, means literally. Bridge builder. A priest is a bridge builder. Bridges the gap between God and people, bringing the two near to one another. The priest represents God to people, and he represents people to God. So the gift of frankincense points to the fact that the Christ child of Bethlehem is our high priest, who through offering up himself in sacrifice has put us in touch with the living God, opening the way for us to experience God in a new and vital way. Through Christ, a bridge has been built, and now we have immediate access to God. We don't have to go through any intermediaries, you know. We actually don't need a human priest, but then I'm a Protestant talking here. But we can come boldly to God before his throne of grace. And you may remember that the time of Jesus' death, the, the uh, temple turd- curtain that hid the sacred area of God's throne room was torn in two, right? The holy God, because of Christ's sacrifice, his death on the cross, the holy God is now accessible. Christ has come; as has, is God come near to us. And we can now come near to God and know that God hears us and cares about us. Frankincense. A gift for a priest. And the wise men brought the gift of myrrh, a gift for one who is to die. Myrrh was used to embalm the bodies of the dead, so that on the early morning of the, of the third day after Jesus' crucifixion, the women came to the tomb, bringing that particular spice to anoint his body. There's a sense in which Jesus came into the world to die. He was born to die. This saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance, says the Scripture, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and he accomplished that mission by dying on the cross. The gift of myrrh points to the fact that the Christ of the cradle is also the Christ of the cross, who died that he might save you and me. Through his death, we have forgiveness of sins and the promise of new life. Isaac Newton, the great English scientist, was a devout Christian. Um, And he stated on his deathbed, I have learned in life two great facts. One is that I am a great sinner. The other is that Jesus Christ is an even greater Savior. You know, someone has said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, He would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a Savior. And for Him to save us, sin and death, he had to die, hence the gift of myrrh at his birth. When you and I seek the truth, the real truth about Christmas, search out his meaning for our lives, we discover the Christ who came into the world as a king to rule over us. We discover him to be our high priest who has built a bridge between us and God. And we know him to be our Savior who has saved us from our sins. But Christ does not fully become our king, our priest, our Savior until we give him another gift, a fourth gift, a gift that matters most. It's the gift the wise men also gave the Christ child. They gave him the gift of their hearts. And when they saw the Christ child, says Matthew, they bowed down and worshiped him. Gold, frankincense, myrrh, all wonderful, beautiful gifts. But the gift the Lord wants most is the gift of ourselves. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what I can, I give him. Give my heart. So may it be. Amen. Which means, of course, so be it. Amen and amen.